Welcome back, everybody. I was on spring break, so you missed some of these videos, or you took a nice break, as, as I did as well. But I welcome you back with the lovely Michelle Danner. Uh, Michelle is fascinating, and she spent her whole life in entertainment as an actress herself, as an acting coach, a famed acting coach, as a director. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that. So let's dive in with Michelle. Please welcome to the program. All right, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, nice banner. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about uh, your film uh, shortly, and uh, it's won a number of awards. I think you probably won more uh, since you've uh, put together that banner. But uh, for people yeah. who are not familiar with you at this point, let's start at the beginning. Uh, please tell people a little bit about yourself and how you came to be. Well, I was born in New York, but my dad worked for the William Morris Agency at the time, and that was in the 60s, and they asked him to open the William Morris Agency in Paris, the very first offices off the Champs-Élysées, yeah. and so here we are, we moved to France, we packed everything, um, and it was a great childhood. Uh, at the beginning, French kids would tease me quite a lot and call me la petite américaine, the little American, and yep. pull my hair and put frogs in my bag. And But uh, I, uh, I started to win uh, some popularity because I was fascinated, at an early age, I was fascinated with storytelling. So I adapted the novel by Alexandre Dumas, The Queen's Necklace, Le Collier mm. de la Reine, and I cast literally like every kid in school. So I became the teacher's you know, uh, brightest light and worst nightmare at the same time, because we had to get all the kids in rehearsals. And, and then I continued to do more. So I went from being the ostracized little kid to the very creative little girl that would mount shows one after the other three times a year. Um, so I had a great, great childhood. I filled with culture uh, lots of movie stars and international stars coming to the house for dinner. I would hide under my dad's desk at the William Morris Agency and saw everybody come in. And, um, you know, it was, it was just great. As a matter of fact, I'm watching some documentaries these last few days on Ingrid Bergman and Audrey Hepburn. And it reminds me very much in a way just because of Europe, of my childhood and what my childhood was about. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you moved? I was four, and mm -hmm. then I was 15, 16, when we came back to the States. We moved back to New York. My mom was ne my mom is Italian, and she's still alive, and she was never happy <laughs> living in Europe. I was so happy. We were all so happy. She wanted to come back to New York. So we moved back to New York, and we continued to live there, and then I moved to L.A. Uh, in, my, in my 30s. That's wonderful. Trajectory. It's interesting. When, uh, so when did you start uh, being fascinated with Dumas? Uh, I, I, for me, uh, I'm originally from Europe as well. And uh, I remember watching the Three Musketeers on television. And then that's where I went to uh, do fencing uh, pretty much right after it. So I think I was five or six. That's when uh, I first came across uh, it. So it sounded like you were about that same age uh, when, you, when you became fascinated as well. Yes, well, I was just fascinated by Alexandre Dumas and Jean-Paul Sartre and Jean Anouille and Molière and Beaumarchais and the list goes on and on. French literature 
was always, I, I would read uh, all the time, nonstop. As a matter of fact, you have this backdrop here, but I'm in my study and I literally am surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of books. I'm a huge reader. I was since childhood. It's the thing that makes life better. And is it's the advice that I give to all my students and my kids, you know, always read something great. Never be without a book. Uh, it's really made my life richer on every level. So being such an avid reader, is there a favorite quote of yours that, uh, that sticks with you through the times? Oh my God, you put me on the spot. I don't know, there's just so many quotes. Any one um, that comes to mind? No, the one just comes to mind just because I, uh, I, I just saw Ingrid Bergman, and I don't even know if it's the exact quote, but I, I have to, uh, you know, to act is to breathe, you know? And, and I love the fact that she loved theater as much as film. Uh, yeah. So how did the career choice uh, come about? Is it because you were uh, basically in that uh, environment uh, from early age? Or uh, was it something specific that made you wanted to go into the uh, acting uh, industry or acting world? I always ask that question of my students. Where is it in your genes? <laughs> Where does it appear? Where's the chip? Where's the artistic chip? I mean, I don't know. My mother was a dancer and a singer. Uh, my dad always said that producing was an art form. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that this was in my genes from, uh, you know, and, and then of course my environment, that's always two things, right? But my, uh, it was in my nature, but uh, my surroundings helped to form uh, my passion for the arts. So you're a reader, you were casting people in plays uh, early on. And then uh, you decided to go into acting. So which, which part was the driver? Did you want to direct? Did you want to write yourself because you love reading? Or did you want to act? What was the driving force? You know, to this day, I can tell you that each individually at different times in my life have pulled me in a yeah. certain direction. And I, I think I've always loved teaching at a very early age. I would, uh, when I say at an early age, I started teaching when I was 13, really, in France. Uh, so between teaching, between writing, uh, between uh, directing and acting, those are all strong passions of mine. And I can't tell you which one I like better because, uh, and I know you're, you know, maybe you have to pick and not wear all the hats, but I, I have to say that I, I love all of them i really do i've i've always struggled with picking uh and it was very difficult for me i've been blessed and cursed and i i know you understand when i say this that i've been good at many things and being good at many things means you enjoy many things and you get uh immense pleasure from doing those things and being good at them so taking one and saying that that's my primary one uh from a marketing perspective that was the right thing to do from my life perspective it was the hardest thing that I could possibly do. So uh, I, I understand when, when, you, when you say that it's hard to pick for you. 
Yeah, I was at a bookstore a few years ago when we could go into bookstores, but we will again. And I saw uh, this book called Refuse to Choose. And I'm like, okay, this is my book. I'm buying it. Yeah. No, it's 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 very true. And uh, it's it's an interesting conundrum because I'm in marketing and in marketing and in corporate, uh, it's you know, people have to be able to identify you in a matter of seconds and they need to understand exactly who you are and what you do and you can't confuse them. Otherwise, they're going to lose interest and go to somebody else. So I have this dichotomy in my brain of I know what's right, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> so that's, that's been my life uh, in a nutshell. Well, even as, as much as I devote my life to the arts, you know, there's a, always a, a part of my day that I have to do, you know, the business. Yeah. I call it the business of acting. And so I've made my peace with that. So let's talk about the business of acting and let's, uh, let's get back to you being the teacher. Uh, I know you spent some time with Stella Adler. I know you spent some time with Uda Hagenen. Um, what, I, I wanna get to the golden box uh, in, in, a, in a few minutes, but what informed your own understanding of acting and how did you come to develop your own method and style? Yeah, I studied with Stella Adler at a, at a young age, as a teen, that was the, my first teacher when I moved back to New York City. That's not a bad first teacher. <laughs> no, it was great. She was great. And I studied with other teachers there as well. There was a Russian teacher that taught me a lot that ended up directing me in a play that I did with Stephen Bauer and Judd Nelson. Um, actually with Stephen Bauer, Judd came to see it. Judd also was studying with Stella Adler at the same time that I was studying with Stella. Uh, so I was part of that era. Um, that was before Judd went on to do Breakfast Club and all those great movies that he did. But, um, but I always remember rebelling. I loved Stella Adler's technique, but I was a rebel at a young age. And Stella, as you know, was quite dogmatic. And she was like, this is the way that you do it. And this is the way. And so, you know, my, my, my rebellious mind went, really? There's got to be another way and another way. And, you know, as I grew up and had kids and I believed in much more progressive, uh, you know, ideas of, of learning that there's just isn't just one way. You don't all just come to the middle and do the same thing, yeah. especially when it comes to art. How can that be? Art is so individual. And then I went on to study, you know, with Uda Hagen, um, who also was, you know, all those great iconic teachers, very opinionated in terms of how you should do it and what you should use. And, mm. And I studied with a lot of people and everybody made sense to me. I was like, oh, hey, that's good. No, I like that too. That's great too. You know, and I thought, is it really one or the other? Can't it just be depending on what you're working on or what the medium is? Can it be yeah. whatever you feel is the strongest choice for that moment? And so I, from an early age, learned as much as I could. I familiarized myself with, you know, there's a lot of acting books out there. And of course, you know, we know the iconic teachers, but there's a lot of acting books. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I have a, a book that I want to publish called The Golden Box. But um, I don't want to do what Uta Hagen did, which is, you know, when she did Challenge for the Actor, she said, don't read the first one. Don't read Respect for Acting. I've revised my thinking and I've read both. And I, I know exactly what she means. You revise, you think, you, you deepen. You know, you change your mind about certain things. Um, but anyway, I'm, you know, one of these days, 
means I'm going to publish my book. But till then, I am still, you know, working on it. So I, I, I studied with all these great people. And then I thought, they're all right. Everybody's right. They all make really good points. And actors should study every technique and open up their own personal toolbox where they put their gold in, their golden box. And then they, they use whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, I agree with you, by the way, in terms of uh, rebelling and uh, dogma, I am, yeah, that's not, not me at all. Uh, anybody that says that this is the only way to do it, I'm already out the door. Uh, it's just, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. There's the, uh, if, if this is the rainbow child in me or whatever it is, but that's just not how I'm wired. Um, and I've learned over time the same thing. And I, I equate it to martial arts. Uh, Bruce Lee, you know, one of my uh, martial arts idols, he was picking and choosing from different techniques and he was forming his own that works for him. And he was encouraging others to do the same. It is the same with acting. You know, there are different techniques and one works for one, one works for another, or a technique may not work for you for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden it makes sense. And then it, uh, it's a proper application of it in the project. So yeah, I, I completely agree that all of us should really just uh, study uh, and then, you know, things will come out when they're supposed to come out organically. Right. That's, I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <clears throat> It's an interesting thing to me as well. And I wanted to get your, uh, um, your opinion on this because you have worked with so many uh, actors and you've worked with a lot of famous actors that uh, people know about. Um, I've noticed, maybe uh, this is not scientific, this is just observation, but I've noticed that in terms of acting, people are really wonderful um, at two stages, either when they're just beginning before anybody tells them anything, or it's much later when they have gone through the cycle and discovered that, oh, I am still just me. It's different aspects of me. And I'll use the techniques because techniques are important. Being on set is ridiculous. And if you're not professional, it's just not going to work. But it's that thing of either very early or quite a bit later. And in the middle, a lot of the actors are just confused and they don't know what works and they get lost in it and the idea and that first instinct of, I want to be an actor, I want to create, that kind of falls behind because they hear so much contradictory information that they forget to actually act and enjoy. Uh, so it's that cycle. And sometimes I feel that unless uh, a young actor is in good hands, it may be better for them not to study right away but just to create and have fun and then start kind of uh, uh, getting things uh, in place. What do you think? Well, I think you, you know, you may be right, except for Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is perfect in everything she does. Yeah. Um, you know, life is all a rehearsal, I think. It's yeah. always freed me, whether I've worked on film or on stage, that it's all process. It's all, we're all in process all the time. You're all learning. It's all a rehearsal. It's never a finished product. It's all, everything is on its way to something. And depending on who you're working with, obviously, if you're, you know, whether in any medium, 
if you have a, a director that really, that third eye, they can guide you and can help you. And, you know, you look at a, at a, something that you've done and you say, well, you know, I can do it better. Uh, I would do it better now than I would have done it back then. Um, you know, it's that, uh, it's the passage of time, it's processes, which I think that you have to give yourself at every step of the way, whether you're starting out or you're more seasoned as an artist, you have to give yourself a pass for everything, forgive everything you do, and a giant yes. You have to give yourself permission to try everything and anything. Um, and, uh, and then it comes out the way it comes out. And a lot of people don't like to look at their work. I can understand that. I, can, I don't like to go back and look because I, I do think, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. You know, it's painful. I just want to accept that it was what it was at that moment in yeah. time. And we're moving on and the next thing will be in that moment in time. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, I, there are a couple of key things that you've mentioned uh, in terms of allowing yourself the freedom to just do it. Uh, my main growth as an actor came exactly at that moment when I all of a sudden during a scene just decided, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Uh, and it's, it was that permission that was critical because until then uh, I was blocked and I had walls around. And when I finally gave myself permission, it became fun. And then I all of a sudden understood what being in it uh, actually felt like. So to me, that was the, the biggest gift. So I, I resonate completely with what you just mentioned. Yeah. 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 Um, I free and play in the moment. Which is how we all start out, right? We all start out because it's play pretend. We are pretending to be something and it's fun. Uh, and then we get lost along the way <laughs> until we find ourselves again. Um, yeah. And I think some of it may have to do also with dealing with that, you know, potential negative interject that gremlin perched on your shoulders that speaks to you. And, and when, you know, that's what age ends up taking care of. When you're starting out, like you said, you know, you just, you know, you just do. You're like the child in the playground. You're mm -hmm. uninhibited. You don't think. And then, you know, you have enough people saying, well, no, you shouldn't be this, you should be that. Maybe you start reading some reviews, some good ones, some bad ones. And then, you know, when you grow and you, uh, you know, time takes care of going, can I curse on this show? Say, just fuck it, you know? I mean, who yeah. cares? At the end of the day, who cares what people think? And that helps you to find the freedom. Mm -hmm. It's to just deal with that negative interject inside of you and just say, just you know, take a rest. Go do something else. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, actually that fuck it moment is uh, if there is any, any kind of uh, parallel between all of the interviews that I have done with all the actors on the show, that parallel is they all reach that fuck it moment. And usually it comes right before they start booking. <laughs> and <laughs> when they go in for the auditions, they are just free and they're being themselves and they're making choices that feel right to them and they're not worried about what others are going to think. And there is, you know, there's a line between fuck it and being unprofessional or doing things that you're not supposed to. But getting to that point and just 
allowing yourself not to have that weight of expectations and just enjoy. Make your I choices. Think I think I'm going to revise the title of my acting book instead of it being the golden box. It's going to say, you know, just say fuck it. <laughs> I think actors will understand what that means. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to have T-shirts and uh, it's, uh, you know, one of, one of my things that I, that I do on the site is T-shirts. And one of the T-shirts is definitely fuck it. Um, because that's, that's it, right? And talking about the, the ages, right? We're talking, we're, there are three distinct ages and people will know this. We're, we're children at the beginning and we don't know, nor do we worry about what others think of us because we're not aware of it. We're just being ourselves. And then on the third stage, we're old and we say, fuck it. We don't care what anybody's thinking of us. We're just gonna be ourselves. And then there is the majority of our lifetime in which we worry too much about what others think of us. And what, does this come out right? Or what, is this going to affect my career? How will others view me? And then we restrict ourselves. So we are happiest when we're kids and when we're old. We're, we're mostly, I'm not gonna say we're miserable throughout, but people <laughs> definitely have a lot of those moments. And it's because we're not allowing ourselves to be ourselves. So uh, acting is not any different. And uh, thankfully on acting, you have an ability to actually be yourself in another uh, you know, experience, thus allowing yourself the freedom to say fuck it and just go. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're renaming the show from Let's Dive Into Fuck It. Uh, <laughs> I like it, it works. Um, you've worked with a lot of people and um, I, I wanna get to uh, the runner in just a moment, but you've worked with a lot of uh, um, very uh, well-known actors. Um, what was an experience that really stands out to you from those um, experiences that you've had teaching them? Um, you know, it's so funny. Last night I dreamt uh, about an actor that I worked with, a famous actor, uh, and we were rehearsing something. But maybe because I was preparing myself today because I just came from a rehearsal with the wonderful Anne Archer. We're rehearsing a play that we are going to open as soon as we can, uh, called A Ticket to the Circus. And you know, when you're in sync with another actor and you're finding the material, you're, you're making the writing come to life, um, you're illuminating it, and, and you both are in sync together. And you know, that moment, yes, that was, you know, you come up with it at the same time. There's such, um, surge of energy there's just an exchange there that that makes the work of creation just thrilling it's a thrilling thing to discover with another artist moments that make the material come to life and you know i just had it just now today with Anne, and i've had it on movie sets you know that i've worked on and um you know just uh, i've been lucky to work with some extremely talented uh, people and I love working with unknowns. I know we're going to talk about the runner, and in the runner, we discover an unknown actor who's you know just really a wonderful you know young actor. Um, I just love working with actors. I remember reading in Sidney Lumet's book, Making Movies, you know, how much he loved actors, and I it resonated with me that moment, you know, because I was like, I do too, I really love actors. 
Um, and I love discovering those, you know, moments that are devoid of artifice, that are pure and authentic. Mm -hmm. uh, count me in that category. So me three. Mm -hmm. I, I've said this before on my show. I realized it because, and I understood why, because the actors are uh, open-minded, the actors are self-aware, and the actors are accepting. And those are all the qualities that uh, I, you know, am really drawn to. Uh, drawn to, excuse me. And that's why I love actors, because it's, uh, it's a really, really difficult profession. Uh, it's misunderstood. Uh, there's uh, the stuff that we see on red carpets is not what, what the profession is about. And the people who are in it and in it for the right reasons, I love them. I, I have great respect and admiration for them. So yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the runner, let's let's get to that. And this is not the the first movie that you have done, but um, tell us about the runner and uh, how is it doing, and uh, what was the reason for you creating it? Yeah, so the runner is my actually my first movie. Mm -hmm. It's my feature. I and very personal to me. Not personal because I have two boys, and you know they've they've done drugs because. Not good. They have not. <laughs> but uh, personal because um, it really moved me. I have a theme that always affects me, which is when we don't take care of our children, when our children fall through the cracks. That always, you know, just really upsets me on many on many levels. And so I had watched the news report about uh, how kids were forced to go uh, underage kids undercover to capture whatever drug kinpin of the town is and how police, you know, uh, doesn't tell their parents. And then sometimes these, uh, these things end in tragedies. Uh, so I was very moved by that story. And I wrote a treatment and called my good buddy, um, wonderful writer, Jason Chase Terrell. He said, can you write the screenplay? I had just finished directing his baby. Uh, Bad Impulse, the psychological thriller that's, you know, out there was released in December. Uh, we got great response. And he wrote a really wonderful screenplay. We worked on it together. And um, we shot it right before the pandemic, right before the lockdown. And we were going to move it to April. So some things are meant to be because it's very possible I would have never made this movie at all if we hadn't just pushed through and did it. Yeah. But we did it right before, right before the pandemic. And so I spent this last year being very creative and editing it. Now it's doing the festival circuit and it's doing quite well. It premiered last week at CineQuest and it's going on to the World Fest in Houston. And then some pretty other big film festivals uh, are, are coming next. So uh, it'll probably be released I'm gathering in the fall after we finish the festival circuit. But it's, it's a personal movie to me and that's probably why it's, I think, my best movie up till now. Yeah. Uh, being a parent of, uh, of two kids, uh, you know, one is a teenager, another one is uh, almost, uh, it absolutely makes sense. Um, as, as, as soon as, yeah, I, I know about your two boys. And as soon as you said, you know, kids falling through the cracks immediately, that's okay. I'm like, yep, I feel that. I absolutely feel that. It's, it's a personal thing. Yeah. But the story is a very interesting thriller. It's, it's, yeah. it's a very entertaining thriller and it has a twist at the end. 
Very cool. Uh, where do you know where it's going to be released? Uh, uh, in what you know formats? Is it theater? Is it uh, streaming? Uh, are you? Uh, yeah. I don't know yet. I mean, I'm hoping that if it's in the fall and we're all starting to go back, you know, in movie theaters, if it's safe, that right. uh, you know, it could be, it could have a release in, uh, in you know, a theatrical release. I'm hoping. We I have hope so too. Big distributors that are interested right now, and we've started the conversation. Yeah, cool. we're going to be London Independent Film Festival in a few weeks as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of London and, and Europe, because uh, you spent so much time there uh, during your formative years, have you gone uh, back to Europe? Have you spent time there uh, uh, since? Oh, yes. I've gone back. Uh, before the pandemic, I've taught in Paris one, two, three times at the three beautiful different theaters in Paris in French, because I speak French. And so uh, yeah, I speak five languages, French being one of them. Um, that was a milestone, I remember. We stayed in this hotel, I can't remember the name of it, but it was overlooking a cemetery that had all, I think Victor Hugo is buried there. It was one of those very, very charming old French hotels. And I remember not being able to sleep and it was very windy and I had to wake up several times because the, the window, you know, there was an old window, kept slamming and opening and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna teach tomorrow in French. This is such a milestone. And I had, you know, three great experiences teaching in Paris. I taught in London at Arada a couple of years ago. Um, I, uh, I, I've, I've always traveled a lot. I've traveled all over the world. And with also this class called the Golden Box, which is a master class that I've mm -hmm. taught in places like South Africa, Johannesburg, Cape Town, which is so beautiful, Moscow, St. Petersburg, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then in Colombia, uh, in Lima, Peru, I took the kids to uh, Cusco and Machu Picchu, which was definitely on our bucket list. Um, so I, I've traveled, you know, everywhere, uh, teaching in Guatemala, Panama. Um, I speak Spanish as well, so I teach in Spanish in those countries. So I, I've always done a lot and I've taken my kids to a lot of places. So now as things open and there's light in the tunnel and, you know, in a year from now or, you know, I'll be able to travel again and accept all the invitations that are waiting for me. One of them is really interesting. It's Thailand, which I've always wanted to go to Thailand. And so I worked on a movie there in December. I was in New York, but everything is on Zoom as we are. And so I worked in a movie in Thailand, which some very famous actors and they were so talented. And they said, we want to open an acting school here, the Michelle Danner Acting School in, in Thailand. So I said, okay, let's do it. I'd love to go to Thailand, yeah. why not? So uh, I love traveling, my kids love traveling. Um, you know, and also everywhere I go, I look at places and think, oh, we could shoot this movie here. This is a great location. Everything becomes a location at the end of the day. Every wall, every tree becomes a location. Every absolutely. city. Yeah, uh, Thailand specifically, a lot of, you know, again, going back to martial arts, that's that's another one of my domains, but a lot of martial arts films uh, are done in Thailand. So there's a big industry there and uh, acting is, an acting school actually would be really good in Thailand because uh, it, it'll help uh, improve uh, the quality. You know, no offense to some of the films, but they could use, uh, they could use additional uh, focus on acting specifically. So yeah, that would be a good idea. 
That um, was great. There was a time difference and I was in New York and I had to wake up like at five o'clock in the morning. I said, oh God, why are you doing this? Don't you want to be sleeping at this hour? And yeah. I don't wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I wake up a little later. But then, you know, I took my coffee and I sat in front of the computer and we started to script analyze. And mm -hmm. the particular actor, the lead actor I was working with was so talented. He was so gifted. And I thought, yeah, that's why I do it. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned three of the languages that you speak. What are the other two? So I speak French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese. I figured uh, Portuguese again. Got it. Yeah. So in, in that line uh, of, of languages. Got it. Very nice. Similar, but not too similar. My dad no. was a producer, so he produced Julio Iglesias a zillion years ago. I was a teenager in Rio mm -hmm. de Janeiro. And so I got a job and they were paying me like really well. So I arrived at the airport. Of course, I spoke Spanish. So I was like, you know, I can speak Portuguese. What's the difference? <laughs> I get there. Everybody's speaking so fast. I don't understand a thing. I had to pretend to be sick for three days and bury myself in the hotel room and watch televisions and listen to tapes and just trying to accustom myself with the sounds. And I merged of that hotel room, uh, at least being able to understand a little bit uh, yeah. more. And I didn't lose my job, which was good. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it is. It is quite different. Pronunciation is very different. So yeah, um, when you uh, when you teach and when it comes to uh, dialects and accents, uh, I speak a few languages, uh, you know, uh, only. And I know because I love doing accents. Uh, one accent swerves into another very quickly if you're not careful. With you being able to speak five languages, and I'm sure you have a lot more dialects. Do you ever find that it's difficult to keep them separated? Well, I have a little accent, and you know, but I can do like a standard American if I apply myself to it. And and usually, if I have to play a stand, I, I go and I see a dialect coach, and I sit down and I study the sounds. If I'm relaxed, yeah. like I'm talking to you now, I don't care what accent comes out. So I'm sure. Yes, in fact, I've been told it could be a mishmash of European everything. Um, you can't quite pinpoint what accent it is. But, uh, but if I, I wanted to, uh, to do like a real standard American or a New York accent or a Southern, I would know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, being in that, in that space and not, uh, not going away from it. Uh, my what daughter languages do you, What languages do you speak? Uh, Russian and uh, in English, obviously. Ah, that's great. Yeah. And my daughter caught me uh, a few months ago. I was doing an audition and she's my, you know, she helps me film and she's my reader. Um, and uh, I was doing a Russian accent and uh, I love Scottish. Scottish is my favorite accent to do. And uh, she stopped me. She stopped the, the tape, which I ask her never to do. I always <laughs> say, keep it rolling. Well, I'd rather, you know, I'll cut it later. And uh, she said, dad, listen to it because now your Russian is merging into Scottish. And she was right. And uh, it's, it's interesting because of the R's and because of some of the other things, it really kind of slides. <laughs> so I found that, uh, found that ironic that, you know, it's, uh, and Mike Myers is to blame because as soon as I heard him uh, with his, you know, uh, faux uh, Scottish accent, uh, I was hooked, that's it. Well, I only know two words in Russian, spasiva. And what is it, plejusta? <laughs> I'd have forgotten uh, that one. Yeah. Спасибо is thank you, and пожалуйста uh, is uh, you're welcome. Exactly. Yeah. I needed that. I actually, I traveled um, with a group, a Russian group, the ice skaters that won the Olympics. Mm -hmm. they, um, what year? Oh, God, what year was that? It was 90, 
91. And they did a show called Bolshoi on Ice with all the gold medalists, the silver Mm -hmm. medalists, the bronze medalists. And I can't remember the names. Igor was the choreographer. And I only remember that I had a a hot affair with someone on the, uh, you know. um, And then uh, the the KGB was very worried that he was going to defect. So (laughs) it was a very dangerous tour. It became really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, at that time, especially you know uh, when when things just started to break down, as as you're mentioning the timing. Yeah. Um, okay, interesting. That's a separate show, or maybe or maybe that's a movie. It's yeah. that's a movie. There you go. Why why not uh, why not do it? Or you've heard it here first, people. There's there's going to be a movie coming out on this topic. Perfect. Uh, as we wrap up, I wanted to ask you a few more questions. Uh, Having done so much uh, in all of these different areas of the industry, now what drives you? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Definitely something's driving me, I can tell you that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm watching these documentaries the last few days, and so I'm quite nostalgic. (laughs) You know, there's a sense of, I don't know, just reminding me of my childhood, my parents. Life goes too quickly. I, I wrote, you know, the passage of time really affects me in a, in a very emotional way, really provokes me. So maybe that's what drives me is that time goes so quickly and I'm just trying to just grasp it. And, you know, I just know that I did relate to the quote of Ingrid Bergman, she says, I need to act like I need to breathe. So I need to be creative in that same way. I have to wake up in the morning and not let my creativity go to the side. And where days when you're dealing with the minutia of life and administrative stuff, that I don't let that, you know, be the most important thing of the day, that I always make sure that I am doing something creative because um, it's who I am. Yes. When I was talking to Michael Kostroff, I, I found myself saying the phrase that I later analyzed, and uh, it's it's very true to who I am. And I, I told him that I find myself either being creative or destructive, and uh, not destructive in a you know the negative sense, but destructive as in the opposite of creative. So every day I have to do something that's creative, at least for a little bit. Otherwise, it just feels different and it feels wrong. And it feels wasteful. So uh, creativity is is immensely important. Well, you know, on that, in a more like uh, less abstract way, I had the pleasure of spending six hours uh, talking with Gérard Depardieu. And before I met him, I used to tell my students that Gérard Depardieu always said that if he hadn't found acting, if you know, he would have been destructive. Literally, he would have been in jail. Um, yeah. And acting, the art saved him. And so art does save people. It does save people. And then it's a beautiful art form. And, you know, I think right now, just the fact that theaters have been shut down, we need culture. We need it. And I, I don't, you know, I mean, listen, of course, I love to go out with my friends and my kids and, you know, enjoy meals and restaurants. But what I think what I miss the most is live arts. What I miss the most is theater. Um, So I'm hoping that, you know, we're all going to come together and and figure it out. So, you know, that doesn't die because it can't. 
It cannot. And uh, the good news is I have, you know, as, as I'm sure you, not I'm sure I know, you have uh, a lot of uh, friends who are on Broadway, but some of my Broadway friends, their shows are starting to, uh, to say that they're opening in December. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really, you know, hopeful and optimistic that that is the case because we yeah. definitely needed that. We go to New York every December and it was so odd that and we literally see a dozen shows. I take the kids to see everything. And this yeah. first was the first year where nothing, we didn't see anything. We saw the prom on Netflix and that did something for us, but we didn't see anything else. So I'm really, we're looking forward to this coming December where we'll be able to go see things, yes. Perfect. Well, it's it's such a pleasure having you on. Spasiba, merci beaucoup, uh, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. Best of luck with uh, the runner and your other projects. When you're uh, shooting the project about KGB, call me. Maybe I can be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's, you so much. It's my Bye. pleasure. And yeah. Thanks for everybody for tuning in into another episode of Let's Dive In. We know you love it as much as we do, and that's why we keep doing it for you. Thank you.